0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Strangers in Jerusalem YouTube channel and podcast where we explore the Gospels and the Jesus traditions within their Jewish context. In this video, we are continuing our discussion on what are the Gospels, what's the stated objective of these Gospels, and also what are the factors at play in how the Gospels were constructed, what historical and political factors are at play. So follow me. Let's go to Jerusalem. bring in the gospels in comes the gospels what we can say is that all of the gospels were written after the Jerusalem council all of the gospels seem to be pauline texts in other words they are these writers or most of them seem to be proponents of pauline christianity in other words the gentile inclusive faction the author of matthew for example sides with paul and he wants to open the doors to gentiles and not make them become jews then we call him a Pauline Christian, okay? So we have to, we have to keep all, all that in mind. So here's how this looks in the gospels. If, if all this is the way if this is true and this is how we can reconstruct the historical record and context, then what does that look like in the gospels? Well, what I asked my students is if you were Jewish and you wanted to write a gospel about Jesus, would you make the Romans the villains of the story? Knowing what we know from the previous episode about the relationship between Jews and Romans, after the destruction of the temple, Rome pulled many Jews captive, enslaved them, pulled them out of Israel, took them to Rome. Now, and if you're writing your gospel in the decade after that, the question is then if you were a Jew and you wanted to write a gospel about Jesus, would you make the Romans the villains of the story? Okay, taking into context, taking into consideration what we talked about in the last episode, where Jews and Romans developed this relationship, this very hostile relationship that led to the destruction of the temple and the slaughtering of many Jews, and many Jews also taken into slavery into Rome. If you're now living in the Roman Empire after the destruction of the temple, and and you're Jewish and you're writing a gospel about this guy, Jesus, would you dare make Rome the villain of the story? The answer is no. No, no, no. No. How about no? Also to consider is that not only were Jews persecuted through through Jewish eyes, they were persecuted by Rome, but Christians were also persecuted by Romans. So in 64, this is before the the war broke out, the Jewish-Roman war, in 64, Nero Caesar blamed Christians for a large fire that broke out in Rome. And when this fire broke out, a lot of the Roman citizens were blaming, they were putting pressure or blaming Nero for whatever he was doing. Their criticism was being aimed at him and so he needed a scapegoat. And so he looked at these obscure Christians and actually Tacitus or somebody says that they were looked at as this obscure group. He blamed them for this fire. After he blamed them, he ordered that Christians be crucified Many of them were crucified, others were torn apart by dogs, other Christians were put on stakes and used and lit on fire and used as torches to light the city, very very gruesome. Also in the 60s, Paul, Peter and James were killed, most likely in Rome, and probably by the Romans. So not only were the authors of the gospels and much of their audiences they were Jewish, but they were also Christians, followers of Jesus. You would be very very careful how you portray Romans in your texts. Okay, so now I'll I'll go through and I'll show you how this, uh, what this looks like in the texts. Romans and Gentiles, how they are portrayed in the gospels. So for example, the ruthless monster Pilate becomes a nice guy and an ally. I'll talk again in a later episode about the Pilate situation with Jesus's death, but we know absolutely that Josephus says that Pilate was ruthless, absolutely ruthless, and Philo, our first century Jewish philosopher, said that Pilate had a reputation for, making, for being angry, making rash decisions based on his anger. He was vindictive. These are the words that Philo uses. It's clear in Josephus, he's an absolute ruthless monster. He had to be, to, from his perspective, to keep Jews in line, or he would make, uh, the, Caesar would be very mad at him. But when you get to the Gospels, after the destruction of the temple, he becomes a nice guy and an ally to the Christians, okay? Also in the Gospel of John, the Jews, the Jews cry out, if you release this man, you are no friend of the Roman emperor. Okay, can you imagine a bunch of Jews saying, we are friends of the Roman emperor, and if you release this man, Jesus, you're no friend of the emperor. I guess it's possible that some Jews, especially the Roman sympathizing priestly establishment could have been yelling that, but this fits much more in a late first century setting. They also yell out in John chapter 19, we have no king but Caesar. That's kind of of odd. In the Gospel of Mark, a Gentile woman seeks out Jesus. It's It's a Gentile woman who seeks out Jesus in Mark 7. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is the Gentile magi, three wise men, the Gentile magi who recognized Jesus as king of the Jews. It wasn't Jews in Bethlehem, it was Gentiles that came. That's in the Gospel of Matthew. Also in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells a Roman centurion who believes in him, quote, truly I tell you, in no, no one in Israel have I found such faith. So here in the Gospel of Matthew, again, a Pauline uh, Christian who is favoring a Gentile inclusive group. And so, of course, he's going to say in this text that where Jesus says a Roman centurion who believes in him, he says, "'Truly I tell you that no one in Israel, "'no Jews, no Israel, no one in Israel "'have I found such faith.'" Okay, they're trying to appeal to a Gentile audience. Uh, we'll go back to the Gospel of Mark. After Pilate tries to save Jesus, it's the Roman centurion who recognizes that, quote, "'Truly this man was God's son.'" Again, in the, it, you know, it's Jews that kill him, but it's Romans who say that it's truly this man's, you know, this man is God's son. In the Gospel of Luke, it's the Romans who are forgiven for killing Jesus. If you, this is the famous line, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. This is toward the Romans. Meanwhile, there are various other subgroups of Jews in each Gospel, including in Luke, who are being blamed for Jesus' death. Now I have to just add in a little aside that some ancient manuscripts of Luke omit or they don't include Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. But either way, what this shows is that whether it's the gospel of the author of Luke or subsequent, some Christian, uh, several decades or even a century later, they're still thinking in terms of we need to pander to Rome. Like, don't, don't make Rome mad. Have our God, our founder of our religion, Jesus, forgive the Romans for doing this. Okay, so they're, they're, very, they're, they're, very, they're walking on eggshells living in the Roman Empire. Also in Mark 10 or Matthew 10, Jesus said, I am sending you out, he's telling his disciples, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to the councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. This passage only makes sense after the destruction of the temple, after Christians had, had come into conflict with other Jewish groups. Because here he's calling Jews wolves. You'll be sent among wolves. You'll be dragged into the synagogue. You'll also be pulled into governors and kings. And you'll be flogged and killed. So that had already, by the time Matthew's writing, the, the author of Matthew's writing this gospel, that had already happened. Jesus died, Paul died, Peter died, James had all been killed. And then that, that phrase right at the end is, this will be a testimony to them and the Gentiles. Again, showing a, a Pauline pro-Gentile text that you know this. This really helps us see how these texts were influenced. Another thing to consider is the the original apostles in the Gospels. How were they portrayed? The original the original uh, Jewish apostles. Okay, if it really is true that these factions broke away in the in the fifties, and you had Paul and the Gentiles, but then you had the original apostles, Peter, John, at some of these original apostles who were Pharisaic, intensely Jewish, and they, at the Jerusalem Council, they sort of pushed back against Paul. If that's the case, then later Christians, including the Gospel writers, might have not looked favorably upon the original apostles. So let's uh, look how they are portrayed. Paul suggests that the leaders of the Jewish faction specifically Peter, James, and John, were reluctant to take the gospel to Gentiles, but on, they only agreed after they recognized the grace that had been given to Paul, is what it says. Great, uh, And this, is, this grace is given by God. Only then did Peter, James, and John, quote, agree that we should go to the Gentiles. So what Paul is saying is that those original apostles, he's telling the people in Galatia, those original apostles might have never wanted to bring the gospel to you guys, the only reason why they agreed to it is because they saw unmistakably that God was on my side, the grace of God. And only then did they agree that I could come to you. Okay, so he's, again, he's a little bit bitter. Also in Mark 4, the apostles show a lack of faith during a storm and Jesus says in Mark, have you still no faith? In Mark 6 and Matthew 14, when Jesus walks on water, the apostles do not recognize him and it says their hearts were hardened. That's actually, in Matthew, in Mark, Jesus is even more pronounced in his disappointment. He says, do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And you do not remember? You have little faith. Do you still not perceive? How could you fail to perceive? Do you not yet understand? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He's really giving a hard time to his his apostles. Uh, Mark 9. In the next chapter, a man approaches Jesus' disciples and asks them to heal his son, but they couldn't. And so Jesus calls them faithless. And and then he says, how much longer must I be among you? Also in Mark, in Mark 17, he says, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Sorry, that's Matthew. I don't know what I said. That's Matthew 17. So in Mark 9, he calls his apostles faithless after they they couldn't heal this guy's son, but in Matthew, it's intensified. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer might I be with you? So it really is bloody, this portrayal of the original apostles in the gospels. To give you a few more examples, when, the, when people brought, in one case in Mark 10, they brought little children to Jesus. His disciples spoke sternly to them, and then Jesus became indignant and rebuked them, okay? In Matthew, in that same episode in Matthew, he said, Jesus says, unless you, he's talking to his apostles, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty bloody in Matthew 18. So Okay, so there's that episode. But then in the very next chapter, when little children are brought to Jesus, his disciples chastise those who brought the children. So Jesus says it'd be, in, the previous ver- in the previous chapter, it'd be better if you were never born, if you put a stumbling block between these children and me. In the very next chapter, they do it again. The author of Matthew is trying to show the faithlessness of the original apostles. That's all for this video. Thanks for watching. For more in-depth detail and information on this topic and other related topics, Check out my recently published book, A Stranger in Jerusalem, Seeing Jesus as a Jew. You can find it on Amazon and many other places. Also, check out other videos within this YouTube channel and subscribe and share it so we can get more people, more, more eyeballs on, this, on these videos and to get the word out.